This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Look, we've all been down the path of integration, normalization, and operationalizing our security data. The common theme is a traditional SIM can't keep up, which is why we say run Panther. Panther normalizes your security data and integrates into your security operations pipeline to provide complete visibility across your environment. Panther is a cloud native security analytics platform built for engineers by engineers. Learn more by visiting runpanther.io. Thank you, Panther, for sponsoring this episode. What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio podcast. If you found your way to this episode, you probably consider yourself as a lifelong learner, teacher, or someone that just likes to explore new concepts. A question that we've always asked ourselves is how do you take years worth of engineering and analysis experience and turn it into something that's educating, entertaining, and impactful for all people. To explore this concept, we've brought in someone that has helped push us to create the Introduction to Easy Framework, Keith Wilson. Keith is the Director of Cybersecurity Education at Attack IQ and is focused on building out, educating, and entertaining content for people in the industry. Keith shares some insight about his process, how he helps others, and the things that he's working on. Looking forward for everyone to check out this episode. Let's jump right into it. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. We're excited because we're joined by someone who has helped push us, push us to share our content with the world, and he's also helping others push their content too. In the studio today, we are joined by Keith Wilson, Director of Cybersecurity Education at Attack IQ, where he's focusing on building up Attack IQ's Academy. Keith, it's always a pleasure to speak. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Chris. Hey, Ron. It's good to be speaking to you guys in kind of in your territory, right? <laughs> Nor- normally when we have these conversations, it's on my turf and I, I'm kind of <laughs> talking to you guys about building classes. So this is this is nice to, to be able to come into your world for a bit. For sure, for sure. Yeah, we've done a lot of work together, building courses for Attack IQ. One thing that I notice about you is your extreme attention to detail. If anybody has taken any of your courses, I'm sure they would understand that. But for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, let's hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. I am the director of cybersecurity education for Attack IQ, and that means I run the Attack IQ Academy program. So this was this was a program that we started. I think we're at about a year and a half now ago, and and we can talk more about that in, in a little bit. But my my personal background, you know, I started in cybersecurity early two thousands, and I I've, I've kind of been on the vendor side pretty much my entire career. Um, I, I worked at Internet Security Systems. That was kind of my first real security job. I worked there uh, in support and finally got to take like a team leader technical role there after a couple of years in support and went through the the acquisition of being bought by IBM. So that was kind of my introduction to this this world of security and also 
the world of startups at the same time too, even though ISS at the time wasn't much of the, the quote unquote startup because they'd already achieved so much. Stuck around at IBM for a while, went to another company called Landcope, who did network-based anomaly detection. That's where I got my my screen name too. So I, I use uh, Detected Anomaly as the handle that I'll use on Twitter and other things like that. Got it while I was working at that company. That company got bought by Cisco, hopped around to a couple smaller startups and ended up at Attack IQ. While I was at IBM, I was making the transition from support engineer into a sales engineer. I was kind of supporting our field sales engineers when I was at IBM. And then when I moved to Landcope, I became a, a field sales engineer. So that that's where I really kind of got into the sales aspect and the business aspect of security and, and how that works and how different teams operate, right? So being on the vendor side, it exposed me to a lot of different security scenarios and, and teams and setups and just so many different situations. So you, you get to learn a little about a whole lot of different things. We're kind of where I'm at today with, with Attack IQ. Uh, I came in as a sales engineer and now I'm the director of education. That kind of looked like I was setting up partner training, uh, essentially, because I, I got kind of sick of saying the same things over and over and over again to partners. <laughs> and it's not their fault. I just had lots of partners to train. Right. So I decided to make videos. And this happened to be right before the pandemic hit the US. So we're talking early 2020 in the year I'd started creating these videos. And then the pandemic hit. And we kind of had to rethink about what our strategy was going to be, and not just in terms of working with partners, but also trying to reach our customers. And that's that's kind of where Attack IQ Academy was born out of. It's awesome to hear that you had this start in cybersecurity. You started working as support for startups. You ran into enough luck to where your startups were acquired by these big companies. And I'm sure that gave you a lot of experience over even more domains in security. But one of the things I'm curious about is where did the fascination with education come in? I know that you were creating a few videos, but what was that point to where you were like, aha, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build this education content for practitioners today. My fascination with education goes back much further than, than Attack IQ. I was at a company called Witfu. They're a great group of guys. They're still running. I'd started kind of building a, a similar educational program for them and realized I, I just really enjoyed it. I, I could easily understand the format, right? It's kind of a blueprint that you can take, right? And go, well, people understand concepts better when you break it down this way. So you just take concepts and you start breaking them down. I found that I really enjoyed that and really enjoyed being able to explain it to people. And even when I was a sales engineer, I did most of my job is spent educating, right? I'm, I'm trying to teach this big concept to somebody in a short amount of time, usually too. And I've got to make sure that they understand it. So the educational stuff, I, I started in, in, you know, getting to do bits and pieces of it just because I worked at startups. And when you work at startups, it's kind of what you do. You find something that you like outside of your normal job and you kind of help out with that when you can. So let's flash forward now to Attack IQ Academy. So I'd done the partner videos and our chief revenue officer, Carl Wright, he saw the videos and he'd kind of had this idea in his head for how we were going to shift marketing. And he asked uh, myself and Ben Opel, who's another one of the instructors on Academy, uh, he'd asked us to do 
three classes, three foundational classes. So he wanted a, a bass course, an attack course, a miter attack course, and a purple teaming course. And Ben took the purple teaming course because Ben is great with purple teaming. And we built those courses and we saw just instant success. Just saw so many people that loved what we were putting out. People were getting these concepts that we really need to get out there, right? And it's not just, you know, selfishly, it helps us sell our product because our, our product is a tool that is used in threat informed defense, which is essentially what we're teaching, you know, purple teaming, miter attack. It's an educational thing that the security community as a whole needs to learn, right? It, it's, a, it's a different point of view. It's a different tactic. So we saw this enormous reception for it, and that was really encouraging. So Carl goes, I want to build more classes. And he asked me if I would consider running Attack IQ Academy. And I said, yes. It's ended up being much more than I thought it would be in terms of the education that I would get from doing it, right? I, I thought, it, oh, you're just going to be you know, taking big concepts, break them down, making videos. And it's, it's turned out to be a lot, lot more than that. I love the way you put it, a blueprint for education. Because when you think about storytelling, you look at the blueprint like the hero's journey, right? There's mm -hmm. somebody that has an inciting incident, and all of a sudden it sets them on this path for this journey. And I'm sure it's pretty similar to this blueprint that you have for education. Could you tell us a little bit about the tenets of that blueprint? It's based on kind of an, an area called instructional design, right? And it, it's kind of student-focused, goal-based education, right? So when we set out to make a new class, we're starting with, what do we want the end result to be? What do we want the student coming out of here knowing, right? We start from there. From there, we can kind of brainstorm on all these different topics that are going to get the person to that goal. This is where I start talking a little bit about the course process, which you guys have, have got to go through and you're going through right now for me. And during our brainstorming, I tend to have people just list out whatever's in their head, right? Get out whatever, whatever word thoughts, whether you think they're related or not, that center around this, this topic and the goals that we want to achieve. We want you to just get it out on paper, right? And then we start organizing those thoughts. And that's where I tend to see a format and it's pretty simplistic, right? I use a lot of the rules, uh, a lot of like rules of three, you know, where we'll break a topic, a big topic down into three smaller topics, which can each be broken down into another three smaller topics, and then maybe go a little bit deeper on each of those. So you'll notice that there's a very structured approach to the, the classes that I create. The other part of that too is you have to assume that your audience has no idea what you're telling them. They, you're speaking a foreign language. So you have to use words that are simple but descriptive. And you also have to try and use illustrations in your PowerPoint. You know, if you're if you're giving a presentation, try and keep it very simple, right? Pictures, very simple images can I use to convey my point. And really I'm just trying to hit the learner on all different levels because you know, I, I don't necessarily know who the learner is and how they best learn when they come to my site. So I'm going to try and hit them on all different levels. Then the other piece that I really hammer in for all of the instructors that I work with, and I, I think you guys have, have felt this a little bit too, is creating labs, right? Learning activities. To me, learning activities are very important. So kind of follow a process, right? I'm going to teach you a new concept, and then I'm going to make sure that you can take that concept and apply it and do something with it. And then I'm going to quiz you or give you an exam on that topic 
or the those skills later to validate that what I explained to you sunk in and then the activity solidified it. So those are just kind of some of the elements that I have in my head, right? And to some extent on paper too, when we're creating classes. Yeah, you definitely help the creator break down their creative ideas into a process, a process that can be followed and repeated just to like help get all that information out of someone's head and help shape it to form it into someone else's mind without confusion or mentioning esoteric information. What are some of the things that you've learned about these types of learners in cybersecurity? We always talk about types of learners on this show. I like to learn best by videos and also by speaking at someone. So like having those labs and being able to perform an exercise is very effective for me. What are some of the things that you found that have been effective for all people in Attack IQ's Academy when it comes to learning? By far, hands-on activities, labs, by far. We survey, anytime we do a class, we send out surveys. It's part of our process too, right? We want to make sure that we have a feedback loop. We want to understand, you know, and in security, we always talk about feedback loops, but they're everywhere in business. And we, I use them in education. I'm actually, it's funny. I've actually got a talk with my learning management system vendor at, at their conference where I'm talking to a bunch of educational people there and I'm explaining to them how I've taken my security experience and applied it to education. This is kind of a good example, right? And that's feedback loops. So we survey all these classes and net promoter score is one of the biggest things that we look at. And for those that don't know what net promoter score is, it's a way of finding out how likely someone is to promote something and, and tell other people to do it. And it's it's got some weights to it and, and a little bit of a sliding scale calculation on it that, that helps us uh, figure out what that score truly is, right? To eliminate some of the bias in that. We also look at comments, right, in the, in the surveys to see what is it that we're missing from these classes? What is it that we can do to improve? And whether there is a lab or there isn't a lab, people always want more of it, right? I could write a, a five-hour-long lab, and I would still have people asking for more, which is a, it, it's a good problem to have, right? And uh, personally, for me, that's one of my favorite things to do when I'm creating classes is creating the lab. So it kind of works out nicely. But by far, hands-on activities, the breach and attack stuff that you do in a cyber range in, you know, when, when you're working in a, an academy, that's fun. But it's not the only way to have an activity around learning too, right? We'll do pen and paper exercises where I'll have people plan out assessments on pen and paper before they even look at a tool. And stuff like that really just helps the learner walk through the thought process before they go and try and and put it into a tool. Because behind any tool that you use in cybersecurity, there's a thought process. There should be some planning at least in an enterprise setting, right? We're not just going to fling something against the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah, one thing we always talk about here on the podcast and in anything that we do is one of the best ways to learn is to have a project. And those hands-on activities, those are like mini projects where people can actually use their brain to learn new material or get things done. What would you say it is about your courses about the academy that seems to speak to even people that aren't in cybersecurity just yet. I see a lot of comments on LinkedIn about, hey, I'm going through all the attack IQ courses just because they want to collect all those badges, right? Mm -hmm. But what would you say is that split between people that are looking to go into cybersecurity or even transition into another aspect of cybersecurity? 
We've got a ton of people that are current active cybersecurity students. And when I say students, I don't just mean Attack IQ Academy students. I mean like they're university students. And I do, I get, I get hit up by several people that are, that are looking to get into cybersecurity or I'll see that they come into academy. I really don't know what the, the breadth of that is within our population, but kind of the main driving force in that is MITRE ATT&CK, right? MITRE ATT&CK is, if you're considering getting into cybersecurity, MITRE ATT&CK is a great thing to learn because it's incredibly useful because it can apply to so many different situations and be used in so many different ways. But it's also pretty easy to learn. If I can teach somebody MITRE how to how to take MITRE ATT&CK, understand it, and use it in an hour and a half long course, it's it's pretty easy to learn. And I don't think there's a ton of security knowledge necessary in order to understand MITRE ATT&CK. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. On that same point and topic, what are some of the things that you've used as your own creative process? You know, you you just described building the outline, brainstorming topics and whatnot. You know, now that you're kind of going deeper and deeper into this field of education, what is your creative process for building new content and new information? I kind of have two processes going on for this, right? I've got a higher level. I'm the director of education. That's my, that's the hat I'm wearing right now is a director hat, higher level going through and and trying to see what the needs are, right? Try and understand, well, where are there gaps in education? Where are there gaps in, in knowledge? And then try and create classes or course ideas from that. So that's kind of the, the meta level creative process that I have to go through as a director. But I also have to play the role as instructional designer and subject matter expert as well, or instructor, the person creating the class. So in that process, I start out with one, what is what is it that we're talking about and why are we talking about it? Trying to understand that and who my potential audience may be. And then I go right into brainstorming. And I've talked to you guys, obviously not on your podcast before about this, but the brainstorming process that I use and that I recommend to people is, first, I recommend that you, you give it a couple of days, give it two to three days to actually have a brainstorm list. Don't overdo it, right? Just sit down with the goal of, I'm going to sit down and write as much as I can in 10 to 15 minutes. And it's just whatever things I can think of. I'm not saying no to anything, right? At this point, anything's on the table. We could be talking about, you know, doing a course on penetration testing and I might write down the word fishing boat. I'm not going to toss that out. It may be relevant at some point. I'm not to that point yet. So I go through and I get this huge list of stuff that I, I want to talk about and I think is relevant and then I set it to the side and I wait 24 hours and then I come back again and I do the same thing and I see what else I can add to that list without saying no. After that, I go through and I take out all the bad ideas, right? So that, that may mean that I end up crossing off 75% of my list and that's fine. The, the idea of the exercise is just get as much out of my head and onto paper as possible. And really that's, that's kind of the process with the entire thing too. From there, I go into outlining, which we talked about. Let's take these ideas and start breaking them down. Then I can take that outline and expand. And really what I start doing at that point is writing a script where I'm hitting all of these points in my outline with the details to communicate these things. And that script's going to turn into a PowerPoint deck that I can illustrate these points with, or it's going to turn into the overall video that we're going to use. And we'll take the material from from that and turn it into a more built out student guide as well. So the process 
is is very creative, but you know, as we talked about, it's also a process, so it's very structured. It's difficult, you know. You guys uh, obviously doing the podcast thing. This requires creativity, and anytime you wrap something creative in a process, it's difficult because you don't want to put restrictions on creativity. But at the same time, it's a business. I, I I need to have a process because I need to be able to tell my leadership when I have courses coming out, or I need to be able to guide instructors through if they're getting stuck on things. So I have a process that I use for myself. I have a process that I use with an academy. But at the same time, I try not to put limits on people, as you guys have seen, because you know ultimately it's, it's up to the instructor to be creative, right? And I, I, I don't want to stifle that because I think it's very important when you're getting your point across that you can open your mind up enough to have empathy for your students and try and explain things from multiple points of view. And the only way you can do that is having that freedom to, to brainstorm and, and create. I'd love to hear a success story in education. It could be while you were with Attack IQ or even before. You could even go back to childhood if you want to. But would love to hear when education is done right. Because often we hear about education done wrong or how the education system is failing. Let's hear a good success story. Education done right, I think that's all up to the individual learner. It's all a matter of perspective. You can go to the worst school in the world, and if if you just kind of do the baseline, you know, obviously the, there's so many different factors that go into this. So this is an extreme example, but let's just say I go through crappy training. I can extract what I want from that crappy training that is going to be good, and I can go learn more. Was it a waste of time that I took that training? Maybe, but I can turn it into something better, right? So I think the quest for better knowledge and education always kind of rests with the individual. If you're hungry to learn more, you should go out and learn more and don't just limit it to one thing. But a guy just transitioned. His name is Ryan Williams, and he was in entertainment. I think he, he did audio engineering or something like that. He decided, yeah, I want to get into cybersecurity. And he took a lot of the training from Attack IQ Academy. And obviously, I can't take all the credit. Um, because he, he's used many other sources and he's a super intelligent guy too on top of it. But he, he landed a job in, in cybersecurity and he's, I've watched him just over the course of, I don't know, six months to a year, just really turn into this cybersecurity personality that other new people are looking to for guidance. And to me, that's really cool, right? Because with Academy, you know, I can inspire people to learn and that's great, but I want to inspire people to inspire other people. So we multiply that effect. There's someone listening right now. They're putting out content, educational content. There's so many people that are either doing it through different academies or they're doing it through their own platforms. Maybe it's podcasts. Maybe they're even doing little classes. What is that piece of advice that you would have for them to connect and inspire as many people as possible in cybersecurity? If you're not familiar with instructional design or instructional design concepts, spend a little bit of time just learning about instructional design. Spend some time on the Toastmasters website or go to Toastmasters even better if you need to learn how to speak clearly or whatever you need to do because organizing the information is one thing, presenting it is a whole other thing, right? So Toastmasters website, instructional design, and just keep doing it. Just put stuff out there. Because that really, that's the only way you're going to learn. Because if, if if you're too worried about starting and getting something out there, you're never going to get anything out there. I'm fortunate enough that I have an executive team that pushes me to deliver courses. Otherwise, I'd, I'd get 
too perfectionist with it and, and try and tweak it and change it and things would never get released. And the truth is, is nothing's ever going to be perfect. So really just get it out there, right? Start teaching. You're going to find your audience. You're going to find your voice. Just put your thoughts out there and see what the results are. You know, obviously take feedback and learn from that feedback, but really just build your content. Keith, that's great advice. Really appreciate you taking the time to hop on the mics with us. For those that want to stay up to date with you and all the great things you're doing with Academy, what are the best ways that people can do that? Best way to do that, um, LinkedIn. So you can search for me on LinkedIn or the screen name is Keith C. Wilson is the, the little name that you can search for me on. On Twitter, I'm Detected Anomaly. Same on Instagram. I really don't post on Instagram or Twitter too much. And then, of course, Attack IQ Academy. Completely free cybersecurity education. We're teaching people the concepts of threat informed defense and purple teaming and MITRE attack. And you can go to academy.attackiq.com for more information on that. Excellent. We will be sure to drop that into the show notes for your bio, your LinkedIn, and also Attack IQ Academy. We created a course together called the Introduction to Easy Framework, which was really awesome. Thanks for all that help. And Keith, we'll speak to you soon and speak to everyone else next time. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. Thank you.